All right, we've got a special crossover episode today on the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On Bulls, Locked On Celtics, a couple hours after Game 3 of the first-round series. I'm Sean Hyken of The Athletic. With me, as always, my Locked On Bulls co-host, Cody Westerlin of 670 Score. And from MassLive.com and the Locked On Celtics podcast, Jay King. That was a wild, wild day in this series. I mean... The day starts off with the news that Rajon Rondo's out indefinitely. It continues to go to the Celtics, who decide to start Gerald Green, of all people. And then an up-and-down game that the Celtics kind of led for most of the way, but the Bulls threatened at halftime, and Celtics were probably a little nervous at halftime. It turned out to be a uh, 104-87 win. Celtics up by 20 early in the first half. And Bulls made a little run in the third quarter before the Celtics took control in the final quarter and a half, but did want to get back to that Gerald Green point because uh, I think, Jay, you used the word radical in the, uh, the pregame interviews with Brad Stevens, which I think I actually stole that word and put it in my story when I made note of that. So you going to get royalties on that ad revenue on those page views? Yeah, certainly. I'll give you a, a quarter for that, maybe something along those lines, whatever I get. I'm rich. But uh, that was something... Crazy, because the Celtics have been beat up on the board so bad in the first two games. Well, game one, really, and then game two wasn't as bad, but the, the inside physical dominance of the Bulls was obvious. And then Brad Stevens goes the other way and says, hey, let's go small the whole way. Like, that's kind of a boss move for a number one seed, but it's a drastic difference from what they did all year long. And even when they went small all year, it was rarely with Gerald Green. That was his first start of the season. He had 29 DNPs this year. Like <laughs> the, he Sean, has, Sean Grandy, the uh, play-by-play guy for the Celtics, tweeted before the game that the last time Gerald Green started for the Celtics was on April 13, 2007. <laughs> so it's literally been over decade. It's literally been over 10 years since. Just, just by a week or so, but it's literally been over 10 years since. <laughs> yeah, since his last start, he's started played, for the Celtics. He's played in Russia, China, and like Phoenix, seven Indiana, NBA teams, <laughs> Brooklyn. So it was, it was a stunning move. And Brad Stevens is a madman for even trying it, but it worked. Like, they spread the court. They got Horford rolling to the middle. They got wide-open three-pointers for everyone. They were 7 for 11 from the three-point arc in the first quarter, and all of those were pretty much wide open. They really just stretched out the Bulls and punished them. And now I think it's on Chicago to adjust to this new radical Boston lineup, and we'll see what happens. Without Rondo, now all of a sudden this series takes on a whole new feel. They just ran that They ran that Isaiah Horford pick and roll like 20 times, and the Bulls had no answer for it. Yeah, and it's really interesting here because you understand why the Bulls just sat there and they made the Celtics make the first move, and the Bulls got to run with what they need to do. Uh, they did well in the first two games, but at the same time, they're juggling the lack of Rondo, and just taking him out of the lineup means you're not actually doing anything you were doing in the first two games. The Bulls had 14 assists in this ugly Game 3 loss. Rondo had that many on his own in Game 2, and like just from, I mean, the opening couple plays, like you could tell the ball movement was poor for the Bulls. It was sticking way too much. Jaron Grant started in place of Rajon Rondo. Michael Carter-Williams came off the bench, but I think they combined for eight points on three of ten shooting and seven or eight turnovers here. They were both bad. Grant got benched in the second half, basically, uh, when he struggled and everything. But there are so many subplots now because the Bulls need to adjust the Celtics, but at the same time, they need to figure themselves out first. And 
all of a sudden, we woke up Friday morning thinking the Bulls were in full control of this series, not just because of the lead, but because of the way they were winning. You know what I mean? And now all of a sudden, it doesn't feel like that whatsoever at all. Yeah. No, it doesn't. And, you know, because the way that the Bulls, you and I talked about this on the show yesterday, the way that the Bulls were winning before seemed totally sustainable because they had, you know, J- Jimmy was going off in the second half, Rondo was initiating the offense, Lopez was dominating on the glass. This Just for some context, I'm literally five steps outside the United Center coming into the building for shoot-around. Mm-hmm. My phone goes off. I see an email from Bulls PR that says, Rajon Rondo injury update. And I'm just like, okay, that's weird. And then I look at it and it says he has a fracture in his thumb. Uh and he's out indefinitely. And, like, he was fine. He looked fine. I didn't notice any signs of the of that him being injured. About in, 12 minutes in game yeah. two with the injury, which yeah. afterwards. Which, I mean, he's, he's played on a torn ACL before. <laughs> he played, like, like before they discovered it was a torn ACL. Like, he played basically a whole game on it. That is that is one tough dude. Uh, actually, he's so tough that I don't care his hands in a cast. Like, I will not be surprised to see him in one of these games pretty soon. Especially, like... Grants and Carter Williams, it's it's hard to overstate how bad they were, especially Awful. when compared to Rondo's level of play. I thought Carter Williams had a couple of nice defensive moments yeah. against Isaiah Thomas, but Grant was a nothing. He had three turnovers in like the first seven minutes and just helped them get off to a really, really bad start. Jay, how much of this game do we attribute to the Celtics playing well, playing like a top seed? And how much in your mind, and how much maybe in the Celtics' mind in that locker room when you were in their postgame, did this trace back to Rondo being out and the Bulls not being themselves from the first two games of the series? I think I think this this I think it was like a total shift in the series. So games one and two, the Celtics were clearly under severe emotional Distress. circumstances. Sure. Like Isaiah Thomas was devastated. The players all wanted to help him out, but sometimes that's really, really tough. And I, Brad Stevens said a lot, like he told the players a lot, we need to have fun again. And I think that was part of his decision to start green was fire away, have fun, spread the court, pass the ball, let's, let's just find that joy again. And, and then the Rondo thing, that's got to give them confidence being down 0-2. All of a sudden, the other team doesn't have one of its best players. And... The start obviously didn't things didn't go well for Grant. I I think the Bulls need to go away from both him and Carter Williams. But then it's like, do you play Denzel Valentine who hasn't played much? They have a lot. There's there'll just be more more issues if you go away from that and play Jimmy Butler at the one. It's it's all of a sudden a whole new series right now. There's no good options here. And chime in, Sean, for the Bulls. It seems like if. You play a no-point guard lineup because Grant and Carter Williams are struggling so much. That means Jimmy and D-Wade have the ball in their hands a lot, which is okay. And the most logical one would be with Paul Zipser on the wing, maybe Denzel Valentine goes into that rotation on the wing or something, and then probably two big guys. You could conceivably put Zipser at the four with Valentine and one big guy down there. But, like, then Jimmy Butler has to guard Isaiah Thomas on the other end, right? Like, Dwayne Wade can't guard him. Paul Zipser can't guard him. Like, what do the Bulls do? Do, Sean. I don't know, and there's there's really there none of these options are good because just the fact you you miss Rondo, you don't just miss what he does, but he takes a certain amount of minutes at that position that now that he's not there, you have to give to these guys that can't play, and there's just really no good options. I think the move for Hoiberg going forward is probably to start with that no point guard lineup with Jimmy Wade and Zipser in the backcourt. 
But you can't play that line of 48 minutes. You can't play Wade and Jimmy 48 minutes. You have to play MCW, unless you want to throw Cameron Payne in there, which is definitely not the move. Because as bad as, as, bad as MCW and uh, Jaren were, he's even worse. I would expect Denzel Valentine, I think, I guess, in, if it's rotation roulette, him to be the guy that gets the next chance with reduced minutes somehow to Grant and or Carter Williams. Uh, do you think the Celtics will come back with Gerald Green again and just keep doing what they're doing? Or like, can they ride the wave? I, I, Why not, right? I guess. Yeah, when Brad said that, I almost thought he was joking. Like, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the first time Paul Zipser started this season. Was, it, was in, it was in New York. They were on a back-to-back, and this was like a couple days after Jimmy Butler played against the uh, Thunder with the flu, and he was awful, and then he didn't travel with them to Washington. And then Nico got sick, and I think like Denzel got sick too, or something. And there was like like basically half the team was sick, and so we you know we were asking him at Madison Square Garden who we were going to start. It's like, well, we're going to start Zipser. And it's like really like, <laughs> and it was like, oh, that that German guy is like who is actually on the team. He's like has a, he doesn't actually he doesn't just like travel with them as like a ball boy or something because he had played like nine total minutes. And then the Knicks beat writers were like, who the hell is Paul Zipser? Someone in the scrum asked the logical question, but the way they worded it was basically like. Why are you doing that exactly, Brad? And then, like, yeah. You mentioned he's been kind of short lately with his answers, and he gave like three adjectives or traits of Gerald Green to describe it. Or whatnot. Yeah, and then, then I, I think he almost chuckled when I called it a radical change. Like, like he knew this is crazy. Like nobody expected this. And then I walk into the locker room, and Gerald Green's sitting there eating chicken tenders. And, and then he goes out and <laughs> scores five points in the first few minutes. He did space the floor though, and it worked. Said. It 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 really worked. It did because they were able to well, they were able to do it. I think you have to credit a lot with Al Horford and you know how successful he was in this game. But having this smaller lineup with guys going out to the perimeter that takes away a lot of what made Robin Lopez so effective in games one and two. Because when you you know when you have Amir Johnson in there with Horford, like it give you know it makes Lopez's job a lot easier because he doesn't have to go out to the perimeter as much to guard somebody. Whereas you know, there's so much more space for Horford to operate inside and step out to the mid-range, and Horford knocked down a couple of threes tonight. And, you know, Lopez just isn't good in those kinds of matchups defensively. Horford get paid $95 million or something on that contract? 113 he, Oh, 113 my bad there. <laughs> um, he, he's earning those today. Yeah. This is, like, where he had to step up, and uh, he did do that. Because it, it wasn't a game in which anyone went for big points or anything. No one had more than 18. Horford did have... Uh, that total, but he was really like a fulcrum of the offense and that, that secondary playmaker to Isaiah Thomas. And that's what the Celtics are going to need. And I think maybe what's interesting here is that we haven't had that middle ground yet in a game. I, I guess game one kind of, but even that was a little bit of a shock yeah. with the Bulls seemingly controlling it down the stretch. I, I don't think the Bulls are as good as they were in Boston and the Celtics that bad. And I don't think we're going to have two or three more 17-point games in which one team just completely dominates. So I'm, I'm interested to see what happens when we have that closer game and the teams are playing at a level similar to each other. But to me, if that's the case, it's really big advantage Celtics right now because of no Rajon Rondo. Like, that does have to be Wade and Butler, but to me, it just, the Bulls feel a little bit in disarray and... They haven't had the best. They haven't had good communication this year, and they haven't been on the page often enough without Rajon Rondo for me to think right now that that's something they can fix in short order. Yeah, and and the thing is, like, they just don't have a lot of options behind him. Whether I mean, Grant started, Carter Williams, 
the the wing depth just isn't there. And it's just the drop off from him to every other option, especially the way he's played in the first two games, is is huge. So I don't know how they how they react to that. Obviously, you know, they're still up two one. They still have the home court advantage. And I think Dwayne Wade said, you know, one thing Rondo did before he got injured was he won us two games. Yeah. <laughs> Which that's a big deal. And so they have a little margin of error. And this this game isn't isn't a, a crusher for them, but no game four feels not good. Like, game feel, four feels like the winner of that game is going to win the series. I agree. I, I mean, I think everyone from the outside is uh, is thinking that right now because again, the Bulls haven't had that continuity this year, and really, besides late in the year against some bad teams, haven't reeled off a lot of wins in a row. You can see the Celtics if they win a game on Sunday, just keep on chugging until you win four in a row. Bulls have a 3-1 advantage. I mean, and you just need one more. Maybe Rondo could come back in a potential game seven. You got one of those final three at home. You got Jimmy and D-Wade with confidence. But a guy that does need a shout-out on this night is Avery Bradley. He was just absolutely sensational. I mean, he was the leading figure in holding Jimmy Butler to 7 of 21 shooting. And he hit four out of six threes. He tied his career high with seven assists, added seven rebounds, which is obviously huge for the Celtics, who need to keep everybody off off the glass as much as possible. He was he was fantastic. I mean, Butler, he had two points with like three minutes yeah. left in the third quarter and got going a little bit to end the third, but he he was really quiet. He That was the most quiet I've ever seen him with the exception of that late game in Boston where they were just Everything complete, complete disarray. Everybody was terrible in that game. <laughs> complete disarray in that game. So, yeah, I mean, shout-out to Avery Bradley. Another shout-out to Kevin Garnett who delivered a motivational speech to the Celtics team trainer, who then shared it with Avery Bradley, who showed it to Isaiah Thomas, who decided everyone was, needs to hear this thing. So was this like handwritten? A, was this on a jump drive? It, was this a video? So it, 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 was, it, was a, it was a voice recording okay. on the phone. And so they hooked up the trainer's phone to the Beats pill <laughs> and cranked up the volume and listened to Kevin Garnett just... So cuss and cuss and do whatever else. He didn't, get like, a, he didn't get like a he didn't get like an old school like cassette tape recorder like Paul Pierce probably has because he doesn't know how to tweet emojis. <laughs> yeah, no. so, <laughs> so now the Bulls have the presence of Kevin Garnett working against him too. Yep. which is right up there with concerns. Well, that's point guard. Level. That's hurt. That's hurt the Bulls in the past in the playoffs. If you go back to that Bulls Celtics series in two thousand nine, wasn't he injured that year? Though? He was injured later in the playoffs. I think he okay. got injured in the. It was sometime. That was one of the great series. We haven't had that. that had the first round series in 2009 was like four overtime games and a triple overtime. Yeah, he was injured for that whole series because the the chief image of him is like him on the bench barking yeah. at, who was it, Ben Gordon? Yeah. 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 So ben Gordon was in attendance on this night. The Bulls, I mean, it's, the joke's right themselves, but like he would have been the better point guard option for them probably. <laughs> I mean, he only retired like a year ago, or I don't even know if he's officially retired yet. Um, he played in the D League this year. Well, there you go. Like, I mean, he's trying he, to get back in it. I mean, he has playoffs experience and big shots, but I just, I'm not entirely sure where the Bulls are going to turn here. And you mentioned adjustments to adjustment, uh, adjustments to adjustments earlier. Um, other than playing those point guards less um, and getting, I, I think a lot of it for the Bulls is just getting Jimmy Butler going. Yeah. And I don't know what the counter is now. Other than maybe just let Jimmy be a star and hope he gets the better of Avery Bradley moving forward, because um, the Bulls again they're still fine in this series, 
but you got to find the right line between overreacting and not doing anything, which is probably the hardest thing for a coach to do. Right, and I think Stevens, I mean, it seemed like he was going to be overreacting when he first said that he was going to start Gerald Green, but it ended up working, so... I was so shocked. You have to give Stevens a lot of credit for the way that he was able to... Yeah, make this work tonight. Terry Rozier is a guy who didn't play in the first game, played 12 minutes, mostly in garbage time in the second game. He was good tonight off the bench. It, it, this series has been such a weird series for a number of reasons. It was like Rajon Rondo's resurgence and like Robin Lopez becoming Will Chamberlain and you know Zipser and Bobby Portis both having some huge moments and now it's Terry Rozier. Like he has been pretty down for the second half of the season and was missing all of his jump shots. And now, all of a sudden, he's had two really good games. I think he was plus 11 in game two, plus 19 in game three. So he's been really good for them. I think I think the key for the Celtics is getting, getting ball handling. They took much better care of the ball in this game. And... And athleticism. Like, the Bulls are just slow up front, and obviously that didn't matter much in the first two games because they were t- turning the Celtics over, getting out in transition anyway. But when you get in the half court, it, it is tough for the Bulls, I think, to match up with all of the Celtics shooters and athleticism, and, and we saw that today. This is the first game where the Celtics kind of controlled the game, and it was because of their athleticism and their shooting. I mean, 17 made three-pointers is a whole lot of made three-pointers. And a lot of that can also be traced back from the Bulls' perspective to Rondo because they've lauded him for setting the pace, which obviously affects the Celtics, um, whether it's him pushing or slowing it down, and also his communication skills. I mean, he's probably the best communicator on the team. He's guy that's always come, and that comes on the offensive and defensive end with young guys and others. Right, and that's the biggest thing because, I mean, I think it's not just because Rondo was out, was not out there that they hit 17 three-pointers, and it's not like, you know, Rondo is going to be guarding the shooter on all of those three-pointers, and, you know, he's going to make them miss those. But when Rondo is out there, he's calling out defensive assignments to everybody. He's getting everybody in the right position, and the defense just functions. Like, I feel like the defense didn't make a lot of mistakes in the first two games. And a lot of that is because Rondo is just out there. He knows the other team's plays. He's just directing traffic. And not having that out there, it's, it's a blow. It's an adjustment, and they haven't been able to adjust And to when, it. obviously, when you're hitting more shots and the other team's got to take the ball out of bounds and you get set up, that's a huge difference, too. Um, offense, defense go hand in hand there. But Rondo, he still finds a way to be in the conversation, even when he's sitting on the sideline in what a short sleeve suit that was. I don't think I've ever seen a short. I don't think I've ever seen a short sleeve blazer in my life before. It, it was absolutely ridiculous what he was wearing on the sideline. And then in the first half, Jay Crowder, I think Jay Crowder shot a shot from the corner. I know he was in the corner and along the sidelines after which he was running down the court close to the Bulls bench, and Rajon Rondo clearly sticks his foot out like he's fake going to trip him after Crowder goes by. But it wasn't like Crowder went by a second ago. It was like Crowder went by a split second ago, a hundredth of a second ago, then he sticks his foot out. Classic so Rondo. of course he's asked about it after the game. And Rondo responds, quote, when you tear your ACL, your leg gets stiff every once in a while. I just had to stretch it out, <laughs> end quote. Just absolutely... Classic Rondo. Classic so, Rondo. He knew he wasn't going to trip him. He just wanted to. He's so be a, smart. He just wanted to be an ass. He's so <laughs> smart about everything. Like he's he's always planning. And then he just had that explanation where you can look at it and be like, eh, that's like, that we 
check out except that it's Rondo, so it totally doesn't. Yeah, that's true. Like, he left open the door. Wait. He's such a troll, series, it's great. This series, could there could there be a better ending, though, than this going seven games and Rajon Rondo trotting out for game seven in the return with barely any clearance from the doctors. You know if he gets clearance from the doctors, it's going to be because he talked them into it, or he told them <laughs> that's how it was going to be, or he forged the note, or right. he delivered the message to Fred. He just told Fred Horvath, hey, I'm playing, and Fred, I mean, what, what's Fred going to do? Well, is Fred going to tell him? play in 44 minutes if he's available. Is Fred going to tell him he's not? Well, right, because, I mean, what, what are you going to do? Is, if, if, if he's available, and you can say, oh, I'm going to play Rondo in Game 7, or I can play Jaron in MCW. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so... I. Can we root for that to happen? Because, like, everyone makes jokes about sports writers' storylines. We root for the storyline. Like, come on. We root Everyone's for the, rooting we for root the storyline. We root for the job. We always root for the, we always root for the job. Like, we always root for Game 7s, right? Game 7s, yeah. I'm, I'm all in for, for Rondo coming back for a Game 7 in after, Boston. After in the garden. garden. Yeah, that'd yeah. be great. I'm all in. Well, you know in his mind he's all in on that, too, right now. Because, I mean, he played through a dislocated elbow. I shouldn't say played through. Dislocated his elbow, left the game. To get it like reset and then returned in immense pain with little mobility in the elbow in 2011 against none other than the Heat, Dwayne Wade, who took him down and caused the injury with a with a scuffle that this was, was 2011. Probably, yeah, 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 a little dramatic in the playoffs there, and obviously the Heat ended up winning. He played like he tore he tore his ACL, I think, in a game against the Hawks, and then he played the rest of that game, and then it wasn't until the next game that he you know he had the MRI and they found out it was a torn ACL. So he played a lot of a game with an ACL. He played this game. And I was I wasn't here to see this, but in you know in Boston after he left the podium, uh, another reporter told me earlier that they he saw him like just dap somebody up with that hand in the hallway, and his hand looked fine. And so like, and then yesterday at practice, Hoiberg didn't say anything to us about it, and yeah. like so this is just kind of out of nowhere. We'll have to uh, keep an eye on all of that real quick before we finish here. Let's hear your game four keys for the Bulls, Sean. What do they have to do? Get back in the W column. Find a way to play Jaron Grant and Michael Carter-Williams as few minutes as possible. If they can do that, I think they'll be okay. Coach Coach Hyken over here says, just go to a seven-man rotation and Plays, don't have any guards in it. Go away from those two bad dudes. <laughs> maybe maybe throw Denzel in there. He made a couple shots in garbage time. I don't know. I think it's just get Jimmy Butler back on track. Get a few more hoops on offense. I think the defense will be a little bit better. And, and some free throws. Yeah. See, that's the thing. I don't think Jimmy's going to shoot seven for 21 again. Yeah, and he had zero free throw attempts. How like weird is it that third or fourth time this year he's done that? Basically. Jimmy Butler and Isaiah Thomas both had zero free throw attempts. There weren't a lot of fouls called in this game. Yeah. It went by quickly. But yeah. that's outrageous. Those guys get to the line all the time. Yeah. Game four keys, though, Jay, for the Celtics? Uh, keep shooting shooting the ball well. Make 17 three-pointers again? Not necessarily 17, <laughs> but, but shoot it well and shoot it decisively. And, and the ball movement was so much better. They were swinging it side to side. And obviously the Bulls have... Tried to pack the paint as much as possible and make it hard on Isaiah to get the ball out of his hands. Well, today they were running Horford in the pick and roll, and Isaiah delivered three or four passes to him where he was just able to dunk it or, or lay it in. And the spacing was great. The ball movement was great. If, if their offense is like that, they're going to be tough to beat. That brings up a fair two point two from the Bulls' perspective. If the Celtics keep going with that uh, pick and roll with Horford and they do end up needing more mobility, Maybe a few more minutes for Cristiano Felicio yeah. instead he of Lopez because Chris did have a couple really good plays and recoveries at the rim, and he can guard the pick and roll better. But again, that's another concession you make because Chris isn't as good at offensive rebounding as Robin Lopez, and then that big advantage you have is gone a little bit. So 
a ton of questions for Fred Hoiberg uh, and the Bulls coaching staff to answer. The Bulls, after being in full control, seemingly have a lot more question marks than the Celtics. Just want to do what they did in Game 3. Game 4 is Sunday night, 5.30 p.m. at the United Center. We'll all be back. I think we'll have a podcast of some sort uh, after that as well. So uh, please do keep listening to Locked On Bulls, Locked On Celtics. Locked on Celtics theme song. Locked on Celtics theme song. By itself. The biggest fan (laughs) of the Locked on Celtics theme song resides in Chicago, Illinois, in Sean Hyken. I don't know. I might be the biggest fan. I play it on loop sometimes. It's so good. You're like at the gym running. We need to get get a rap. We need to get like Chief Keefe to do a Locked on Bulls theme song. What chance the rapper was at the game tonight? We missed our chance, Sean. I'll bet he'd do it if we asked him. Well, we might have to ask his manager first. <laughs> might have to come up with might have to come up with some advertising. Might have to get yeah, more seat geek money together and just. It, it still won't be better than my man Millie's is. That's uh-huh. uh, that's true. Follow Sean on Twitter at Hiken. Jay is at by Jay King. Check his work out at MassLive.com. Yeah, I'm uh, at Cody Westerland. Check my stuff out at 67score.com. Subscribe to the Athletic. Most of all, tell your friends about the podcast. That's right. You can find us and Locked on Celtics on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, TuneIn, Google Play, wherever else you can find podcasts. Make sure you subscribe. Leave both of our podcasts, Locked on Bulls and Locked on Celtics, five-star reviews on iTunes. Tell your friends to subscribe. Check out the Locked on Podcast Network. Subscribe to the podcast for your favorite team and your friend's favorite team. Tell them to subscribe. All that kind of stuff. If you want to advertise with Locked on Bulls, email us at LockedOnBulls at gmail.com. I'm sure Jay has a place to reach him for such Locked on Celtics at gmail.com. That's right. If you want to advertise with either one of us, do that. And we will be, I'm assuming we'll have a joint episode again after game five. Uh, so we'll be back with you guys then. Uh, thanks for listening. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.